from the back room at Hank Drucker's General Store, it's the IGN Digigods. Please welcome two legends of the fall, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Well, that's another vintage opening from 1922. 1906. Yes, 1920. No, that's from uh, 2008. Actually, it's a uh, it's a it's it's going to be a red letter day soon because Very we soon. actually have yes compiled. we do we have compiled all the new openings. Yes, and that's I'm it. Going, no more submissions being accepted. Not only no more submissions being accepted, but no more Bob. No more Bob. We're sad to say Bob's we, moving on to uh, greener pastures. Greener pastures. Uh, we have a new announcer, and he will be recording our intros in the next couple of weeks. That's correct. And you will be excited to know who made the cut. That's it. Who didn't make the cut. And who made the cut is, is our new announcer. Huh? Our new announcer. His name is who made the cut? No. Well, people will... He's not entirely unfamiliar to people. That is true. Yes. That is true, actually. Yes. If you're a fan of our other endeavors. That's true. Also, a uh, very exciting news. Um, uh, Wade finally sprung for new headset uh, headphones. Yes. Yes, I did. For the last six months, I've been wearing <laughs> no headphones during the show, which is fine, because yeah. it's yeah. not like I'm on the radio. Yeah. But uh, we have new headphones. And also, may I say, Wade, scale of 1 to 10, yes. 10 being best, how would you rate my salted caramel ice cream? Three. No, that's not true. No, it, no it, it, it. It, I did. I liked it quite a bit. Thank you. I would say uh, a good solid like eight and a half. Really? Yeah. Wow, how Fellini. Yeah. Good solid eight and a half. Um, and also referencing our, uh, our opening, when is the rest of Green Acres going to make it out onto DVD? Seriously, two seasons and then we're done? What's up with that? Uh, who no. the hell cares? I Green do. Acres. I want the rest of Green Acres. You're out of your mind. Hank Drucker. Damn it. <sighs> uh, also, some interesting, just uh, to kind of cover what has gone on the last few weeks, you know, Netflix stock tanks, uh, the attempt at opening uh, this week's Tower Heist and then shuffling it onto premium VOD after uh, 30 days or whatever the hell they were going to do at Universal. That, that tanked. They had to back off of that. And then um, we now have Redbox bumping their price up to what is it, a buck twenty now? It's a that's terrible timing. I know. I mean, you, you realize the obviously the the negative publicity that Netflix yeah. and Reed Hastings have been accumulating for weeks is enough to almost sink the company. Oh yeah, it's and incredible. Yet, and yet somehow, with that one moment, Redbox says, "You know what we'll do now? Let's raise our prices." Yeah, it's I, good I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But uh, you know, I think everyone is panicking a little bit and they're all trying to figure out how to generate new revenue but at the same time you realize blu-ray revenue is skyrocketing going through the roof like blu-ray sales are soaring as well they should be yeah be- because but, but again streaming streaming is not is not moving ahead as quickly as blu-ray people are really catching on to blu-ray finally I, I think, finally at long last i think people like blu-ray i mean people like streaming also i i love streaming but well it's bifurcating is what it's doing it's going back to the model where some movies are are to rent and some movies are to own and by the way very interesting uh, patrick goldstein column in the la times Did you read his column about the uh the movies that people pirate versus the movies that people rent let's hear it uh, it's really interesting. The movies that people rent tend to be stuff like The Blind Side and on and on and on and on and on. You know, like just just general, uh, solid, mainstream appeal films. The stuff that people pirate, Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, all the giant mega blockbuster stuff. Well, it's, it, it's also all the fanboy stuff. It's all right. the fanboy stuff but, and stuff that could be copied and turned around. And But the point being... 
that the movies that people are pirating are the movies that have packed people in at the theaters. So much for the idea that pirating takes away from the theaters. I guess, although you know, it's, it's an interesting. It's, it's an interesting it case. Although it's funny with the uh, with the streaming, the uh, all the you know the tower highs controversy because you yeah. know Magnolia's been doing this for a couple of years now anyway. Well, just but, not with big movies, with it, small it, movies. They've been releasing stuff day and date, and nobody's complaining. Sure, but they but Magnolia typically does it because Magnolia is owned by Mark Cuban, who also owns Landmark. So Landmark's not going to get upset because they're owned by the same company. Uh, it's all part of this part and parcel of the same deal. Whereas here, you're taking revenue away from exhibitors who are fighting for their existence. And when you have a movie that, like Tower Heist that's going to open on, you know, you're, you're demanding, Universal says to them, we demand X number of screens for Tower Heist that they could be giving to another movie that might play longer. I mean, you're really asking them to just bend over is what you're asking them to do. And exhibitors aren't going to take it. Not going to do it. Wait. That is. We're a DVD show. We're a DVD show. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to talk uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. We'll talk uh, music Blu-rays, Wade. The We're, Grateful Dead movie from 1977, directed by Jerry Garcia. You know what? I remember... You remember Entertainment Today? I wrote for them. You wrote for them way, way back, early 90s. Uh, the, uh, one of the, the, the family that owned Entertainment Today at the time, uh, one of the, the son of the family, who was the editor at the time, was a huge deadhead. And I remember him coming back from an Arizona concert or something. He taped, you know. He had, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tapes that he would, uh, you know, do with his little microphone from the audience. And I remember he came back from a concert in Arizona at one point, and he said, Uh-oh, Jerry's carrying the black briefcase again. Which means he's shooting up again. Yeah. Anytime they saw Jerry Garcia carrying the black briefcase, that, that meant he was, he, was, he was back on the smack. He's riding the white horse. He's riding the white horse, exactly. Anyway, the Grateful Dead movie actually was... In point of fact, yes, folks, uh, it seems to I like been, this movie. You know what? It's, oh, come on. You look, there, there, it, there's some great covers on this, like Johnny Be Good, sure, along it, with their classics. And the animation is really cool. Uh, you know, I don't know how co-directed it really was by Jerry Garcia. I don't, you know, did he just kind of stand next to the, uh, the other director and say, man, it's all right to me. Well, uh, Leon Gass was the one who directed uh, When We Were Kings. Yeah. And uh, he's they call Jerry Garcia the editorial director, which makes me think that he just kind of uh, oversaw putting it all together. But um, you know what? It's a, it's a cool film. It is it is a cool archival retro groovy film, and if you you know it kind of fits in nicely with all the Beatles lore and uh, you know things like uh, Gimme Shelter, Rolling Stones film from that time. You know all of that, all the all the rock movies uh, that sort of nudge in there between uh, Hard Day's Night and uh, Sergeant. Uh, Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with the Bee Gees <laughs> uh, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Thank you. That's kind of the end of all of those films. But uh, Peter Frampton was in that too. Anyway, uh, this is beautifully transferred. It comes with a Blu-ray and a DVD in one set. Uh, this is from the good people at Shot Factory. We love us some Shot Factory. It is a long movie. I'm going to warn you, it's over two hours long. Uh, but great, great remix on the audio. And the audio is the most important thing here. They're, uh, the 5.1 DTS is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just put this out on some big speakers and pump it up. You also get a commentary on this thing with uh, the film editor John Nutt and uh, supervising editor Susan Crutcher and uh, tons and tons and tons of uh, extras on the DVD, the second disc. 
uh, tons of stuff here. It's like uh, you know additional concert footage, bonus songs, uh, like the a little making of documentary on the animated sequence. Um, television commercials. It's just, it just, they load it up. There's tons and tons of stuff here. Very good, Wade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's pretty so, great. Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Let's move it along. No, it's yeah. good. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, Nick Cannon, Mr. Showbiz. Now, this is an interesting uh, DVD, not Blu ray, from Mr. Uh, Mariah Carey. Yeah. This is, a, <laughs> this is a comedy album. Yeah. This is not a musical album no. from Nick Cannon. Well, it's, 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 Performance. It's concert. You know, we're in we're in our concert vein right now. Well, no, it, this is his first ever comedy special. I know, and I uh, I have to say that, that uh, as 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 a comedian, he's a great singer. Yes, it, w- it was on Showtime, and I have to say that he's not much of a comedian, but the one thing that he may develop into at some point uh, is a good all around entertainer, like a good Vegas Dean mm-hmm. Martin-y, a little song, a, a dabble of comedy, tell some stories, maybe. But uh, I kind of like where his head's at because it's not a bunch of rap crap. Also, uh, along the performance vein is a Blu-ray of Jeff Dunham, Controlled Chaos. I have to tell you, I just cannot stand Jeff Dunham. I really can't. Uh, this is from Paramount, and uh, I know a lot of people love Jeff Dunham, so knock yourselves out. But uh, I, you know what? I generally don't like ventriloquists. I'm a huge fan of Edgar Bergen only because it was great material. And that's the thing. Jeff Dunham doesn't have great material. He's just got a lot of weird-looking puppets and, and dummies, and uh, especially that one with the green hair and the, and the big cheeks and the purple skin. Not into it. It's, he just, it's really creepy and, and kind of self-consciously annoying. So, um, but you know what? He has a following. People love him, so knock yourselves out. Does it really need to be on Blu-ray? No, of course not, but who cares? Uh, Wade, when you think of um, Jack Bruce... Ginger Baker, Eric mm-hmm. Clapton. Yeah. Cream. Yeah. Love the cream. Good times. Now, uh, Royal Albert Hall from 2005. Now, this is a great Blu-ray. This I used is... to run around Royal Albert Hall. You know that? Whenever we would stay in London, that was part of the, uh, the jogging trek. Just trucking right around that place. That is a fantastic place. Good place to run. Stop name dropping. Coming, coming right out of, uh, out of the park and... You know, it's good. Uh, anyway, it's okay, never mind. Uh, you know, there were some uh, controversies about this because you know um, uh, Jack Bruce was not in very good health, and there was uh, rumors that the band still kind of hated each other. But they all got together and did this uh, Royal Albert Hall concert in 2005. It's good stuff. Crossroads, uh, we're going wrong. All their classics: White Room, Sunshine of Your Love. Really good stuff. Looks good on Blu-ray too nice. because it was it's fairly recent, 2005. Awesome. You know what else is super awesome? Gosh, I love some of these Blu-rays. I mean, concert Blu-rays, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Concert Blu-rays is really where Blu-ray shines. Uh, this is uh, Symphonic Live, yes. And uh, yes, a Symphonic Live is just a terrific Blu-ray. It really, really shines way, way, way better than watching it on, uh, on DVD. Uh, I am, of course, a longtime fan of John Anderson because I'm a huge fan of Vangelis, and John Anderson and Vangelis, of course, work together. So I'm I'm obliged to like anything that Yes does just by virtue of the John Anderson connection. Uh, this is actually uh, from 2001, and uh, it's a it's a huge show that they did in Amsterdam with a full blown orchestra, and uh, it's just uh, it, it's awe inspiring and it's beautifully transferred and uh, just terrific. Owner of a Lonely Heart obviously is here. You can't get away without that one. But uh, you get other stuff like Close to the Edge, Long Distance Runaround. I've seen all uh, good people. Um, Roundabout, Starship Trooper, Magnification. It's just terrific. Really, really great and uh, awesome sound. And you know what? Yes is just such already an incredibly well-produced band that when you throw an orchestra in there and then you add the quality of the Blu-ray sound, give it up. 
Give it up. Give it all. Give it up also to uh, Procol Harum. Not not my favorite uh, band of that era, but um, they're m- known mostly for Wider Shade of Pale. Uh, otherwise, it's a bunch of pretty good songs, prog rocky stuff. This is only notable because it was recorded in the final night of their 2003 world tour in London. In fact, this is called Procol Harum live at the Union Chapel. Um, if you know Procol Harum, go for it. If you don't, there's no reason to watch this. Yeah. But you know what? Except for Every Dog Will Have His Day, Wider Shade of Pales, some of the classics, they were never really my favorite. You're a bit of a Gary Moore fan, aren't you? Um, More or less. Yeah. Funny. Uh, I'm not such a huge Gary Moore fan, but I can can certainly respect him. He was a longtime favorite at the uh, Montre Festival. And uh, as we all, as we have talked about here many times, Eagle has re- continues to release these terrific live at Montre uh, uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. This is the Blu-ray of Gary Moore live at Montre, 2010, and he of course died just like months later. He died in um, February of 2011, so it was like six, seven months later, and boom, he was gone, which is really sad. Uh, there are 13 tracks from that 2010 performance, along with four other bonus tracks from a 1997 appearance. Montre, of course, is in Switzerland. For those who don't know, I used to live just down the lake from Montre as well. <sighs> I lived in uh, Lausanne, very briefly. Oh, anyway, I'm going to keep doing it, man. I'm going to keep doing it. Montre Jazz Festival is absolutely terrific. And uh, there you get Gary Moore doing his, doing his thing in 2010 and 1997. And uh, it's, you know, not my favorite guy, not my favorite music, but a solid Blu-ray faithful to the, the Montre line. Wait, uh, you know what musical act I've seen twice live? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Tom Jones. Weird Al Yankovic. Okay, I've yes, seen I Tom have. Jones live. I've seen Weird Al, Yank- Weird Al Yankovic live twice. Last time was last uh, summer at the uh, L.A. County Fair. I'll bet he was great. He was great. Yes, I know that. I've it's, heard that from a lot of people. It's uh, very highly produced, which was a bit of a disappointment, but it's very well produced. Yeah. And this is a, um, a, concert, a D, uh, concert Blu-ray called Weird Al Yankovic Live, the Alpocalypse Tour. <laughs> Alpocalypse is his uh, new album. And so here you get uh, a bunch of great stuff. From the album, including TMZ, Poker Face, and a couple classics. And I just think he's funny. Fat is on here, which is great. Yoda's on here. Actually, Yoda is what he closes the show with, which is just hilarious. And uh, it's good stuff. Nice. There's some bonus features on it as well. Music videos, extra live performances. He's kind of enjoying an upsurge now, isn't he? He really is. He was sort of dead in like that early 2000s. Because he was was like a, a, a thing of the 80s. He was a creature of the 80s. And then after Fat... It kind of faded a little bit, and it just seems to me like just now, for the first time in 15 or 16 years, suddenly he's everywhere again. He's, he's hot again. It's a new, whole new generation has discovered his alness. His alness? His alness. Good job. Yeah, well, you know. Exactly. Uh, Ray Charles, live in France, 1961. I wish this was on Blu-ray. It is unfortunately only a DVD. Eventually, I'm sure Eagle will release this on uh, on Blu-ray as well. But uh, this is terrific. This is from uh, as long as we're talking about great jazz festivals. Um, this is from the Antibes Jazz Festival. Now, Antibes is adjacent to Cannes. For those oh, who don't know the. Uh, are you going to name drop more France crap? No, I'm just I'm letting people know where it is. You know, Montreux in Switzerland, and Antibes is is right next to Cannes. You know, like Cap d'Antibes, the the Hotel du Cap that everyone always hears about. Where I've been get. there. Yeah, but you haven't stayed there because you don't have like thousand, tens of thousands of dollars of cash to pay the. You know, I the actually Mormon. I heard that uh, they 
do take credit cards now. Oh, do they really? Because they, for years they only how, took cash. And how, people how genteel of them. And people would, would walk down, walk through the uh, the lobby with these yeah. big silver briefcases yes. filled with cash. Until they, realized, until they realized there was no more money left in Greece because somebody had been paying their, uh, their hotel bill with Greece's debt. Um, anyway, the, uh, so this was at the Antibes Jazz Festival in 1961, July of 1961. And there are a lot of great jazz festivals all over Europe. I mean, Monta and Antibes and, uh, and Nice. I mean, really great stuff. And um, wow, this is, I mean, this stuff is, was uh, supposed to have been lost and uh, fairly recently rediscovered. And they, you know, fixed up the 16 millimeter footage and uh, restored it. And it's, it's just such a treat seeing, you know, old Ray Charles. It's just totally unplugged, completely acoustic stuff. Great, great stuff. Uh, you know, Let the Good Times Roll, Georgia on My Mind will bring you to freaking tears. Um, my Bonnie, With You on My Mind, uh, Believe to My Soul. What I Say, so much fun. What I Say is just such a great song. Wait, he just gets rocking on that. It's really good. So uh, anyway, yeah, this is, this is, if you are a Ray Charles fan, you will just go bananas for this. This is uh, gold. All right, we're, we're about two-thirds of the way through the music yep. stuff, and uh, then we'll get on to movies. Uh, Pretenders, Loose in L.A. This, of course, is the, um, it's kind of a direct-to-DVD concert uh, show from the Will Turn, which took yeah. place in February 2003 with Chrissy Hine. Mm-hmm. And this is great because Chrissy Hine is actually reunited with Martin Chambers, the uh, band's original drummer. And they sing pretty much all of their big hits, Message of Love and Talk of the Town and um, Time of the Avenger and My City Was Gone. It's, it's great. It's great stuff. Chrissy Hine is one of the great rock survivors, and uh, she keeps on kicking. And this is really good stuff. Pretenders loose in L.A. From the Wiltern. Good stuff. Love, Chrissy. We also have uh, from the British Invasion series, The Hollies Look Through Any Window, 1963 to 1975. I didn't realize they were around that long. They were kicking for a good 12 years. Um, this is 22 performances by The Hollies. That uh, is a, it's a group I had just about completely forgotten about. Because I was little, I was tiny when they uh, kind of fell out of favor. But um, this is pretty great. This is like everything you need to know to sort of appreciate the uh, the Hollies and their place in history. And they are really, really good. Uh, there's also uh, interviews on here, and uh, it's great. Some of the songs, you might know these, are He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, uh, Wings, King Midas in Reverse, which is pretty great, Stop, 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 Bus Stop, Look Through Any Window, I'm Alive, Just One Look. What do you read? I, I, you read all the no. album song titles off the it. back of the thing. No. Wait, go ahead. Major. Carry on. Okay. Uh, an interesting documentary that I'm going to uh, go ahead and um, it is recommend. Not. Yes, it is called Composing Outside the Beatles. This is uh, Lennon and McCartney from 1973 to 1980. And this sort of covers the time um, when the Beatles had pretty much already broken up. And John Lennon was doing his thing, crazy thing, and Paul McCartney was doing their crazy thing. And they each carved out really successful solo careers. But, um, you know, uh, after Sgt. Pepper, pretty much the Beatles were sort of starting to drift apart. And you saw Lennon getting a little political, and eventually he'll he'll meet Yoko Ono, and he'll go in his own crazy way, whereas... Paul was always committed to the Beatles, was always a good songwriter, and but he was a little bit more pop-oriented. And This documentary is good stuff because it sort of um, lets you know why Lennon and McCartney kind of started to split apart, how their solo careers advanced after the Beatles broke up, 
And it's good stuff, actually. It's uh, put out by the guys over at uh, Pride DVD. It's pretty long. It's over two hours. It's good stuff. Composing Outside the Beatles, Lennon and McCartney, 1973 to 1980. And, uh, Mark, do you remember when A Tribe Called Quest broke up in yeah, 1998? They, 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 they were never my thing. Well, they weren't my thing either. I don't. I don't even remotely remember that uh, they even broke up. I barely even knew they existed. But you know what? Pretty great doc. This is uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life: The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Uh, you know what? It, it, this kind of blows me away because this was a big hit at Sundance and Tribeca and the LA Film Festival. It really, really just uh, this is a great doc that just kind of wowed everyone at all the cool indie film fests. And you know, who freaking directed this thing. Oh, uh, yeah, Steven Spielberg. Michael Rappaport. Oh, yeah, Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Um, you're seeing Tintin this week. I am. I'm so not jealous. You're jealous. No, I'm not really. <sighs> I'm curious, I admit, but I, my contempt for mocap and uh, just having seen the stuff, I just, I can't. I, it just looks creepy. Looks creepy. But, uh, no, anyway, this is actually a, a pretty terrific documentary. Even if you have never heard of A Tribe Called Quest, even if you just uh, don't think you don't care, you got to check it out. And Michael Rappaport, surprisingly, has really cho- he really has some chops because um, he, he, he cares deeply. You know, he grew up real kind of like, like an inner city white guy in New York. So he has a, an appreciation for them, and uh, he loves them. And it's a passion project for him so you got to give some props to uh, the rap meister michael rapaport and uh, a few special features on this terrifically well transferred blu-ray from sony uh there's commentary with michael rapaport which is surprisingly intelligent i have to say the one and only time that i ever met him at a press uh junket he was barely intelligible and Who, who's this? Michael Rappaport. Oh, Michael Rappaport. Yeah, he was. Barely... He, he seemed like a weird guy. Well, that was that was for the uh, True Romance press junket, and it was it was he was like barely intelligible. I just remember him being unbelievably stupid and sitting there like eating a, an apple and a potato or something, and then uh, Christopher Walken came in and talked about why he always wears black. That's your cue. Uh, My, uh, Christopher Walken came in and talked about why he always wears black. Why does he always wear black? Because it's clean. All right, uh, Lindsay, let's move this along. Because no one, no one, okay, you know what? Wait, I'm, I'm okay. going to move this along. Queensryche. Yes. No one cares. <laughs> All right, uh, Dream Theater, live at Budokan. Please, come on. Oh, stop come on. This, uh, there, there is, there is. There's nothing. There's yes, nothing. There no, there's not. Lindsay Buckingham. Uh, you don't like is, Queensryche? No. Come on, no. Mind Crime at the Moor? Oh, my. Wow. I, I bet our listeners love Mind Crime at the Moor. It's their favorite. <laughs> These are the only two things worth talking about. This, this is, is it. This is a three-hour... We, we have Toy Queens, Story. Yeah, Toy Story. We got Criterion. You can talk about Queensryche. Who gives an F? All right. Well, All right. Queensryche and Dream Theater, these are both Blu-rays. So, you know, it's uh, Mark's, gonna, Mark's forcing me to give these short shrift. But you got to... Seriously, you know, Queensryche on Blu-ray. That's, there's a following for that. Dream Theater as well, even though it's, you know, not my favorite thing either. <laughs> Moving on. All right, Lindsey Buckingham, Songs from the Small Machine. Oh, I like this. Lindsey Buckingham is very talented. He's the guitarist for Fleetwood Mac. Best. He's almost sort of never really gotten his due as a guitarist yep. and songwriter, but he's just great. This concert was uh, from uh, April 2011 at the Saban Theater, by the way. Wait, the Saban Theater I know. I know. was owned by Haim Saban, the guy who created the Power Rangers. Well, he, he brought them over He brought here. them over. Yeah. Yes, he's a big-time Jew, and actually the, the Saban Theater is where they really? do... Really? With is, a name like Haim? Who knew? He's not Irish? No. Uh, big time Jew who act, that that Saban Theater, which is on Wilshire, just yeah, uh, east of La Cienega, they do a lot of um, uh, Jewish, you know, yeah. uh, high holidays and sure. performances there. But this night, this night only, Lindsey Buckingham, 
He does his uh, he does his uh, classic uh, solo stuff. He does do a bunch of Fleetwood Mac. I think this is great. Looks great because it's brand new, 2011, so it's shot really well. Great audio. Buckingham, an unsung guitar hero. And he never gets his chance to actually be a guest on What Up With That. That is so upsetting to me. Huh? It's a little SNL joke. You never watch sketches from SNL. What is wrong with you? What do you do Saturday nights? It's not, it's like not, actually go places? Yes. Be at home. You're married. Just you're at home. All right. Uh, we also have Blu-ray of Iggy and the Stooges' raw power live in the hands of the fans. Um, you know, Iggy and the Stooges, uh, back on September 3rd, 2010, uh, this is, that's what this is. This is, this is just a rock and roaring Iggy pop kicking butt concert. I don't know why he's not dead. I truly don't either, because you look at him and you just think, that is the most heroin emaciated body on earth, but doggone it, the guy doesn't actually just give a, a roaring concert. Uh, lots of great stuff here. Now, it's a, it's a, it's a little... You know, this is not for children, let's put it that way. Uh, but really, uh, pretty intense, really well done, nicely put together. And uh, all kinds of great tracks on here. 1970, Beyond the Law, I Got a Right, I Want to Be Your Dog, Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell. Did you hear that? Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell. Love it. I, how, how, who writes a song like that? Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell. Love who it. writes a song like that is the guy who's on, uh, who's, who's on who's riding the white horse. Yeah. Everybody's riding the white horse. Okay, enough okay. with the music. Done. Da 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 Wait, let's do some movies, because yes. people like movies. Um, Don't do that stuff. We'll do that in a second. That's the Miramax pile. <laughs> Gotta talk about Winnie the Pooh, right? Winnie the Pooh. Now, the thing with Winnie the Pooh is that Disney owns the rights to Winnie the Pooh, and yeah. they, are, they are trying to resurrect Winnie. They are, and they tried to resurrect him with this movie this last summer. It's out on the DVD and Blu-ray combo. Even if this does not look like a Blu-ray, it has a Blu-ray in it. They put it into a regular DVD-sized keep case uh, that also has the Blu-ray in it, I think because they are trying to sell... If you sell a, a Blu-ray, this is an interesting marketing strategy. If you sell a Blu-ray with a DVD in it, you're going to get the Blu-ray people buying it, basically, and the DVD people are going to pass it by. This way, you're getting the DVD people to buy it, and, oh, look, a Blu-ray is a bonus. It's kind of interesting. It, I, is, because, you know. uh, it is because there's more DVD buyers than... That's true. Because here's the thing, is that, is that people would feel like... Like a Blu-ray as a quote-unquote extra feels like a valuable extra. Exactly. A DVD as a quote-unquote extra feels lame. Yes. I don't think that this new poo, this new poo, uh, compares all that well with the old poos. It's charming. The animation, they really tried very hard to make the animation faithful, so the animation is is pretty great. It's, it's nice to see, you know, clean, very kind of analog 2D animation. Um... But some, for some reason, the, you know, the writing isn't as crisp. It doesn't have that nostalgic feel that I, I was hoping it would have. Um, lovely on Blu-ray. Absolutely lovely. Um, you know, the, the extras are marginal. It's like a you know, sing-along and all that usual junk they throw on the family stuff. But, it's a, you know, I, I guess it's a good reboot or a relaunch. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It's decent enough. Speaking of decent enough, Terry, you know, um, John C. Riley does a lot of little movies that... Uh, so much stuff. We never it's really, unbelievable. We never really see or care about. He did two movies uh, last year that uh, are just kind of funky. One's called Cyrus. Yeah. And the other's called Terry. Yeah. And I have to say that... Um, Terry, Terry is actually the history of Terry Cloth. No, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean that. Oh, really? That, was, that, that wasn't serious. Really? No. I thought you were telling the truth. No. Jeez. No, not in the least. Oh, wait. Yeah, anyway, no. so you know what? Here's the thing with um, 
with Terry. Terry, uh, not a good film, but it was a hit at um, in Park City. People oh, dug it. Sundance. At Sundance. And look, you know, movies about you know high school uh, misfits who don't fit in, kind of yeah. a dime a dozen. Yeah. But I like this one. The kid who plays Terry, the, the, this kid, I don't, know if, I can't remember his name. It's uh, this kid, uh, Jacob uh, Wasaki or something. I don't know where they found this kid. This kid looks like they just found him on the street, and he's this fat kid who's mocked all the time, and he's so he's so good. He's like this big kind of like um, big gentle wise kind of a kid, and you know John C. Riley is great in it. He's one of our best character actors, Oscar nominated. Like him a lot, and uh, this film is good. It's rated R. So it's not necessarily for uh, every high school kid out there, but uh, it's good stuff. And it's all about, anyway, Terry trying to kind of get his bearings because he's such kind of an outcast and how he kind of tries to find his place in the world, helped by um, John C. Riley, who plays the vice principal of his school. So it's good stuff. Terry, it's kind of an interesting little gem. Days and Confused finally comes out on Blu-ray, thanks to Criterion. And uh, the same very, very cool packaging that they did for the DVD, they uh, have done for the Blu-ray. It's all kind of, you know, graffiti art, and uh, it's got little uh, little punch-outs with pictures of the cast, and it's a cool sleeve. So uh, don't worry. If you really, really love the packaging for the DVD, and you thought, oh, I hope they do that for the Blu-ray, they did. All the same extras. This is a, the official 35th anniversary release uh, of the film, I'm. Uh, I, I, I thought, wait a minute, 35th anniversary. Oh, I get it. I get it. It takes place in 1976. I get it. See, see, I was like, this didn't come out 30, 35 years ago. That, that's a little. That's a little thing. Um, anyway, no, this is uh, a, you know all the all the same cool stuff. Uh, 5.1 DTS audio, which is uh, not really important for when people are talking, but for all the cool songs. And then when you hear uh, Matthew McConaughey looking very, very 70s and very hairy going, working for the city, that's important to hear in uh, 5.1 DTS as well. His last good performance. <laughs> Actually, he's given some good ones. You're not being fair to the man. Anyway, a great uh, companion book here. Matthew McConaughey, and I don't really know why I was in contact. I mean, he didn't really need me. I mean, Jody Foster, he was kind of cold, so I guess they brought me in and made a little hunkage in the, the contact. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I just make lousy. Did, 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 did you ever see Sahara? God, that was the worst movie ever. My God, was that terrible. You know, people just keep giving me money, and I just keep doing my shows, and I get in my boat, and I make some, have sex with my beautiful girlfriends and do more bad movies. Was absolutely spot on impression. I, that's why I let you keep going. I was like, "Wow, I'm really enjoying this." Let's see where this goes. Yeah, it turns and, out it's going look, nowhere. Look, look, there he is. There he is in the one circle on the cover. Isn't that great with the little mustache, little porn star mustache. All right, wait. fabulous. Oh wait, attack the block is the uh, rather uh, energetic and fun and absorbing and kind of cool film debut from a writer director named Joe Cornish, and I like this film. It's about it's a it's a it's about a bunch of uh, African American uh, kids living in a, in the projects in uh, somewhere in London, and uh, which makes them African English, not African American. I guess that's true. And, <laughs> you um, see the problem we get into with these terms. I know, that's true. Yeah. I wanted to say black, but who the hell knows who's yeah. listening to these things? Everyone gets offended. Because you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, they're in the projects there in London, and they are attacked by uh, their the little project is, is attacked by aliens, and they have to fight off the aliens. And you know what? I think this movie's a lot of fun. Got a lot of energy, and it, you know what? It shows what you can do with a low budget. These guys did not have a lot of money, so they had to be they had to be innovative, and they had to worry about story and performance. And the kid who plays the uh, the main uh, the main gang member kid. Uh, uh, this kid, uh, Joey Boyega, uh, John Boyega, film debut. 
he, this guy is he looks like Denzel Washington. Okay, now we he, got this on DVD and we got this on Blu-ray. Which one? Well, it, it's a low-budget film, so it's not like uh, you know it's going to really improve that much on Blu-ray. But the contrast is much better on the Blu-ray because a lot of this was shot at night, so it helps the fact that yes. you know it looks good. The blacks got look it. good. And when I say the blacks look good, I'm just saying the nighttime I shots see. look good. Yes. Not the African Americans look good. I mean, the blacks look good, but not the blacks, the people blacks. I mean, the blacks, the color blacks. Stop while you're ahead. Just stop. I got a couple of movies here, both of them from film history, separated by generations. And this is only to, just goes to prove that movies don't necessarily get better with time. Uh, the more recent one here is the uh, inexplicably classic Cannonball Run. Yeah. You know, I, awesome. 1981, though it really seems to belong in the 70s. Um, I, gosh, I don't know. This is, movie is so horrible, and yet I thoroughly enjoy it. I still thoroughly enjoy it. I don't know why. Because it's awesome. It's just, you know why it's I Hal enjoy Needham. it? Hal Needham. You know why I enjoy it? I can't stand Hal Needham. He did, he did Megaforce. Give me a break. Um, the, here's the reason that I enjoy this. I still enjoy this only because of Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. That's it. There's no other reason to enjoy this film. They were uh, people forget that they did a number of movies together. They were like kind of a, a little bit of a oh, team. They the, did a couple movies together. Oh, the end is one of the funniest movies ever made. It looks. Do you remember that that shot in the end where um, it's there's a glass coffee table, and the camera is underneath the coffee table looking up. Yes. And and um, Burt Reynolds tries to take a bunch of colorful pills mm-hmm. to kill himself. Yes. Right, so he takes these pills. You know, there's all these like capsules. They're you know yellow and red and whatever. Mm-hmm. He takes all these capsules, and he tries to take some. I think it was some milk to swallow it all down and kill himself. And he throws it all up. And again, the camera, right. the camera is underneath yes. the the, um, the coffee, coffee the coffee looking up. And so what you get is this blur of like red and green and purple capsules. And Burt Reynolds says, "God, it looks like Disneyland threw up." <laughs> It's great. Anyway, this isn't that movie. Uh, This is Cannonball Run, which, of course, is uh, let's get a bunch of stars together, most of them friends of uh, Burt Reynolds, and uh, make a movie about the illegal uh, cross-country road race. Awesome. And uh, you know what? Look, this is a total vintage love boat kind of a concoction from, really, again, belongs in the 70s. Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, along with Farrah Fawcett and Roger Moore and Sammy Davis Jr., and uh, Adrian Barbeau and Jamie Farr and Dean Martin and Mel Tillis and it just goes on and on and on. Terry Bradshaw even pops into this thing and and inexplicably they don't really tout the fact that Jackie Chan is in this you know Jackie Chan and Michael Hoy neither of whom are Japanese play Japanese in this which is absurd and ridiculous no Bert one Convy Bert Convy I know it's Peter crazy. Fonda yeah it just goes on and on and on it awesome uh, Farrah Fawcett is lovely and Roger Farrah Fawcett Roger, Dean Martin Roger Moore looks like he really belongs in a better movie awesome. uh, but there you go it's the Cannonball Run now uh, that's the, the does it belong on Blu-ray I guess I don't know everything's on Blu-ray now look I, I'd rather see Cannonball Run than Smokey and the Bandit oh for sure yeah Smokey and the Bandit does not age well but what definitely belongs on Blu-ray Knock yourselves out. Crazy awesome from the Blackhawk Films Collection. Finally, the original Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. Uh, one of the great all-time silent films. I'm so thrilled that they're, they're putting something else on, uh, on Blu-ray as a silent instead of just the Buster Keaton stuff, which so far is kind of all we've got. Um, so we're finally getting more and, and better uh, silent films. And you know what? I was afraid that the silent films might get overly cleaned up for Blu-ray. Not at all. 
this is absolutely fantastic. It's much better than anything. Uh, this has been out a few times on DVD. This is easily the only way it should ever be had. And uh, this includes, mind you, uh, multiple versions of this. So you get the original 1925 version, uh, the 1929 reissue of it, uh, presented in two different forms, presented at 20 frames a second and then also at 24 frames a second. Uh, just incredible. I mean, it's if you want a complete scholarly uh, introduction to this film with every imaginable extra that means anything and every imaginable way to look at this film... Wow, unbelievable. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera, one of the all-time great silent films, incredibly influential, a magnificent performance from Lon Chaney, incredible makeup in every version in which it was ever released. If you do not buy this, you do not love movies. I- I'm surprised it did not get a major distributor I know. on board. It's just bizarre to me. Well, Image Image has the Blackhawk Films collection license, and they've apparently never let go certain titles there. So there, there you have it. Uh, one of the bigger releases uh, this week, uh, before we talk about, uh, what else we got? A couple more Criterions, Toy Story series. Uh, we have Crazy Stupid Love, which is a, a comedy starring uh, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. Julianne Moore. Yep. Uh, I like this film. I think that um, the problem with the film ultimately is that it gets, a little, it gets a little too broad for me, and it didn't really, it was disappointing that they felt they needed to go broad. I think that the guys who directed this film are very talented. They're the ones who wrote um, Bad Santa, and they've now sort of... Uh, you know, they're off on a directing career. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Julianne Moore obviously is a very grounding presence in any movie that she's in. Uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling have a great scene uh, when he's trying to seduce her at at, uh, at his home. Maybe it's her home. I can't remember. Anyway, it was a great scene anyway. And uh, it's good stuff. Um, uh, Steve Carell plays a guy who is uh, in the midst of a divorce. And he meets up with a ladies' man, Ryan Gosling, who takes him under his wing, teaches him how to be a ladies' man. Mm, and uh, it's good stuff. Did, did you see this? I didn't. You know, I, no. it's... Uh, I, I need to. You do need to because, yeah. again, even though it goes in places that are disappointing and that are a little bit uh, the you know, path of least resistance in terms of a comedy, there's enough of it that is good, that is adult, where you're looking at it going... Awards this is, contender? Oh no, God no! Okay, you're you're looking at this thing going. This is like an a, this is almost a comedy for adults. Wow, for real people from the bad Santa people. Yeah, wow, how about that? And it craps out at the end, but that's okay. You know, uh, Joel Schumacher has made a lot of good movies in his career, a lot of crappy movies. Uh, Nick Cage used to make good movies. Now he only makes crappy movies. And uh, Nicole Kidman, once upon a time, well, about as recent as a year ago, was an Oscar nominee. Put them all together, and you get one of the most unbelievably stupid movies you've ever seen. This is Trespass. Now, Trespass has Avi Lerner written all over it. Uh, honestly, this is like Righteous Kill uh, with a different flavor. This is just, you know, Avi Lerner, of course, of uh, New Image and Millennium Films. He and uh, and uh, Danny Dimbort, his, his partner, basically just pack a lot of stars into these expensive projects that they sell heavily overseas, and, uh, you know, they throw a lot of action in it, and they don't really care if it's any good. And, in fact, this one is not. This is a, a horrible, horrible home invasion movie with uh, Nick Cage as this diamond-brokered international diamond dealer who neglects his wife to try and take care of their gigantic, enormous in-construction mansion. And uh, they've got a daughter who, oh, my gosh, she's such a rebel. She just Her parents don't understand her, and dad's never around, and she goes out and parties. And next thing you know, while the daughter sneaks out to go to a party, and uh, Nick and his wife are just uh, in the house getting ready to have a fight, a uh, bunch of guys with masks and guns storm the house, and there's a whole crazy backstory to this. 
honestly, it's like uh, you know, it's 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 got a whole panic room vibe to it. But the, every twist and turn just gets pr- progressively stupider and stupider and stupider until at the end you just roll your eyes and you just go, "Really? Somebody actually wrote this? They didn't just make it up as it went along?" And then somebody else decided to spend thirty-five, forty million dollars on this. What do we? What world? What kind of a world do we live in? Oh, it's so frustrating. You roll your eyes continuously. Anyway, um, the thing that's really, really sad about this is there are a lot of really good actors in the sporting parts, and um, they're kind of wasted. But uh, it's on Blu-ray. Gorgeous, gorgeous Blu-ray. The only reason to see this and the reason to really get it on Blu-ray, and by the way, it also comes with a DVD and a digital copy in the same package, but the only reason to watch this in Blu-ray is because the production design is so amazing. The mansion that they live in is fantastic. So I would say ignore the story, but definitely rent this to get some decorating ideas. <laughs> Seriously, great I, decorating ideas. That's as the good the reason house is beautiful. The house is gorgeous. Uh, Wait, Water for Elephants is... Uh, I actually like this. Really? Believe it or not, I did. Yeah, I did. I like this. I, it's, a, you know, it's a big book. And this is, um, this is one of those uh, Fox 2000. Was this one of those Fox 2000 deals? Yes. I think it was. Because Fox would never have greenlit this movie themselves. Um, but Fox 2000 was able to do it under their deal. I, I actually really like this. It's got I, a good cast. Reese Witherspoon, yeah. uh, Christoph Waltz, Robert uh, Pattinson. You know what? Uh, kids love the Robert Pattinson with his uh, Twilight. His, uh, and, I, and I love the elephants. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about a... She plays a circus performer who falls in love with a veterinarian. If I see well, another movie Christoph where a circus Waltz, perform- Christoph Waltz is, which is, is her husband. He's, the, he's the, the, the tyrant who runs the circus, right? And she's sort of the – she's imprisoned there. Well, not imprisoned, but, you know, she's sort of beholden to him. And he runs it like a, like a you know, Nazi Gestapo type outfit. And then Robert Pattinson – But they're it, in love with the elephant. Well, Robert Pattinson is the – you know, he's the young, hunky guy. He's, the, he's, been, he's playing James Dean in everything he does now. That's the problem. He's, he the evokes elephant. James Dean. And they, they love the elephant way. That's it. They fall in love with the elephant. I know. It, 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 that's why they love each other. Wow. They share love for the elephant. This whole Robert Pattinson thing, I don't get it. Not on board. Don't well, don't get him. It's a, it's a, it's a, it he, is he, a, he's nothing. He just gives me nothing. There's nothing in this film you haven't seen a hundred times before. Reese Witherspoon um, basically got behind this as a producer and uh, caused it to uh, come to fruition. And uh, it's perfectly entertaining. It's a it's, it's a, a beautiful Blu-ray. It's, it's kind it, of a it, chick flick, you it, know. Kind of. It's a beautiful Blu-ray. I will I will give them that. Rodrigo really, Prieto really did an amazing job of, t- of photography. Yes, it. and it is a beautiful Blu-ray. No doubt about it. That's about all I can um, recommend of Water for Chocolate. Yes, Water for Chocolate. You know, um, Water for Elephants. Elephants eat chocolate. I I am a big, gigantic, massive fan of uh, the Joy Luck Club. I think Joy Luck Club is one of the great American films of the last 30 years. I really do. And a lot of people think I'm just a, a crazy hyperbolic lunatic for saying that, but I think it's amazing. Um, unfortunately, when you get Wayne Wang together with uh, screenwriter Ron Bass with material that is not based on, uh, that does not have the involvement of Amy Tan, who wrote the book for Joy Luck Club, in this case they're adapting a different novel. Uh, the result is not quite so spectacular. The novel in, ca- in question here is Snowflower and the Secret Fan, and I so totally wanted to love this movie. I was thinking, oh, please let it be another Joy Luck Club, and unfortunately it didn't uh, quite turn out that way. Um, it's, it's got its heart in the right place, but the, this, this kind of uh, dual story that it uh, jumps across two different uh, 
periods of time doesn't work quite so well. It gets a little bit confusing, and they're trying to juxtapose a a present-day story with one from centuries earlier uh, about two women who kind of bond as sisters. And... um, you know, the the, the the cultural juxtaposition doesn't work the same way that it worked in the Joy Luck Club. You just don't feel that same connection because it's not like a family connection. It doesn't sort of really let the blood bonds uh, dominate the, the emotions. And I don't know, it just, it, it's well-intentioned and it's nice to see Hugh Jackman uh, pop in for a little bit. But it just, I don't know, it just lost me. And, and Rachel Portman, by the way, beautiful score. She also wrote the music for the Joy Luck Club, much better better score there but you know i mean again not bad i don't want to rip on it but it's you no know. no you want to rip on it yeah i do uh, it's on blu-ray and dvd they sent it to us on both i think the blu-ray is is good but not as good as it should have been so um fox get with that uh wait what? we got some uh, criterion we got some toy story what are we waiting for you're burying the lead uh, you know, you, yeah you know what let's, we're let's burying let's, the lead like they I say in the, in the newspaper all right let's do it we got we got a giant pile of uh, blu-ray 3d stuff here that is newly released. Everyone knows how much I love 3D. <laughs> Basically, all three Toy Story films and then uh, Cars 2. And they, they have them now in these lenticular deals with the Blu-rays and the, you know, whatever. Uh, I, these have been, you know, look, these have been released previously. And I think, I don't know why we have to see Toy Story 1 and 2 in 3D. 3 was enough. And uh, I don't even think it benefited from the 3D. I saw, you know, I saw Toy Story 3 both in 3D and 2D. I saw it in 3D IMAX, and then I went and saw it again two days later in 2D. And it's better in the 2D. There's some nice 3D effects in the opening scene, but that's it. Well, better well, in the 2D. Yeah, that's the thing. With, especially, you know, with, with Toy Story, there is no reason to see Toy Story, the original, in 3D. No. Because it was just not... I mean, it was amazing that they even got the characters on screen, let alone... You know, optimize them for 3D. Yeah. So don't worry about Toy Story in 3D. Here's what I also don't like about the 3D optimization, apart from the fact that it's narratively insignificant and it's distracting and it's and then pointless. Um, it also takes away from the fact that you watch a certain progression of CG technology from one to two to three. And I think that's important in appreciating the films. I think that's important in, in what makes them relevant as part of being part of film history. But I guess Bob Iger doesn't give a damn about that. He's just trying to crank up those quarterly profits as much as he can. Although Toy Story 3 was a terrific film. It was a, it great, it was a good capper to the series. You notice how we're not talking about the, uh, the 3D Blu-ray of uh, Cars 2? You know why? Because Cars 2 was the first Pixar film that sucks. It was done for purely mercenary reasons, and uh, it pissed me off. Yeah, it did me too. I'm not fond of that. Nope. You know what? It's just, oh, they have to race around the world. You know why they have to race around the world? Because world, worldwide box office means so much that they have to race around the world. Are we going to say that Cannonball Run is a better movie? Oh, yeah. I see. There we go. And you know what they did with Cars 2? What, what they would do is they would, they would replace some of the voices with local actors. Like, mm-hmm. like when they're in France, yep. they would replace some actors with Lame. local French names so that the films would do better in, in all these home territories. Purely mercenary, and you know what? The film got its butt kicked by critics, and it deserved it. Lame. Thank you. We also have a uh, real quickly. We've got a, uh, a Warner Archive release here. Remember, Warner Archive titles are available at Warner Archive. 
dot com and they are uh, made to order they're made to made uh, what is it mod manufacture on demand that means they are dvd r's they're not regular manufactured dvds so slightly lower quality but most of these are cult films that you're going to just um you know it the, you might it's almost like a somewhere between rental and own uh, this is an Elizabeth Taylor film called Night Watch, which is a minor Elizabeth Taylor film directed by Brian Hutton. And uh, I wouldn't uh, run right out and get this. It's kind of, um, it's sort of cheesy. Um, it, it tries to take her character from Who's Afraid, Afraid of Virginia Woolf and, uh, you know, kind of try to, to build on the uh, the eccentricity of it. This is Liz Taylor who's trying to, you know, play... I guess Shelley Winters parts at a, at a certain point in her career. I don't know why she would want to do that, but you know she's trying to be more of an actress. So there's a there's a little bit of a suspense angle to this, and uh, Lawrence Harvey is uh, appropriately creepy. You know, Lawrence Harvey never really got on track after uh, *Manchurian Candidate*, did he? he? Just he he was playing oddball roles from there on out. I know, and then he died soon after that, right? Or soon uh, didn't Lawrence Harvey die yeah. after that? During that? Soon after that? Uh, something like that. Exactly. Uh, what, okay. is, what are we talking about next, Wade? You, you know, uh, let's go through some of these Miramax titles really quickly because uh, this is certainly uh, worth noting. Miramax, you know, is releasing through Lionsgate and through Echo Bridge. And uh, they got a couple of major Blu-ray titles they're releasing through Lionsgate, a couple of their uh, really terrific titles from recent years. Um, and then the kind of the, the stuff that they're just getting out there for the hell of it, that's all the Echo Bridge stuff. But they have released Blu-rays of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Copland. I'm not such a huge fan of Copland. I like the fact that Stallone tried to be a, uh, a you know, it's like a Sidney Lumet throwback film, wouldn't you say, Copland, a little bit? I liked it. I liked it more than you did. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the Stallone. You blew it! I love that Stallone's trying to be serious again. I love the fact that it's got a real hardcore cast, you know, all the old Scorsese leftovers, uh, you know, uh, Harvey Keitel and Ray Liotta and Robert De Niro, but uh, it, 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 I don't know. It's a good Blu-ray, though. It looks real good on Blu-ray. Stallone put on some weight and... Gives a performance again for a change. I love the deaf stuff when when when, he, when he's the ringing in his ears. Yeah, that's a great sequence. Well, that's you know a that terrific was terrific sequence. That was directed by James Mangold, who would go on to direct uh, Three Ten to Yuma. Yep, a terrific film. Yeah, what's he done since? He did uh, the movie where the guy does the thing. Oh, of course he did. And then uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, I just think is brilliant. Uh, I don't know why this didn't get more love uh, from awards, from you know critics groups and the Oscars. Uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, George Clooney, of course, directed this and did a hell of a job directing it. And Sam Rockwell plays Mark, you know, Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris, based on Chuck Barris's insane, crazy, fictitious autobiography, in which he claims that he was always a, uh, a spy while he was, you know, he was moonlighting as a spy while he was a wacky television game show host you know what sam rockwell is phenomenal in this i mean all those gong show sequences it's i, I almost forgot that i was watching an actor he's he, phenomenal in everything he, sam rockwell rules he nailed it anyway great blu-ray great film you gotta get it this was one of my favorite films of the year uh drew barrymore is fantastic julia roberts fantastic uh, george clooney in that very creepy brief uh, role is fantastic this film just rocks i love it uh, the rest of the Miramax stuff, uh, we'll go through real quickly right here. We've got a six-movie pack from uh, called Miramax Mysteries, which includes Crossing Guard, Night Listener, The Innocent, Heaven, Benefit uh, uh, of a Doubt, and The Human Stain. The only stuff worth watching here, really, Human Stain is okay. Heaven is terrific. Crossing Guard is great. The others are just totally negligible. Um, one of those, is all The Innocent, is, uh, is also available independently. 
and uh, we make mention of it only because it's a John Schlesinger film uh, with an early role by Anthony Hopkins and uh, you know some pretty good turns by uh, Isabella Rossellini and Campbell Scott. But uh, it's not even that early of a role by Anthony Hopkins. It's just a, a while back. But uh, gosh, it's like, what, 25 years ago this film was? Something like that? That's a while back. That is a while back. And uh, Milena, which was uh, not as good as uh, Cinema Paradiso, but Giuseppe Tornatore uh, definitely gave us a lovely, lovely performance uh, from um, the uh, the wonderful Monica Bellucci, who just doesn't seem to ever age for some strange reason. Uh, this is a great little, you know, kind of coming-of-age period film. The Journey of August, Journey of August King, great, great uh, performance by Patrick, uh, Jason Patrick and Tandy Newton. Uh, wonderful period film uh, directed by John Digan. Uh, just a- absolutely terrific. Overlooked heavily in the early '90s. Uh, My life so far, yes, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. You know, uh, Colin Firth and uh, and uh, you know Irene Jacob uh, are are fine and and lovely in it. It's a you know cute, sweet little uh, British coming of age comedy. The Accidental Spy with uh, Jackie Chan is not that great, unfortunately. But uh, since I'm a Jackie completist, I am obligated to urge people to um, to check it out. It's it's Jackie on the downslide. Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, a terrific uh, Merchant Ivory film featuring then uh, husband and wife, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. I think this was their last film together before he died, wasn't it? It was... Uh, anyway... Uh, great performances by both of them. Uh, really, a, a beautiful film. Kind of, you know, looking at the third the relationship of this couple uh, during, particularly the wartime of the 30s and 40s. Uh, in the Weeds, a movie I had never seen before. I had no idea this even was in the Miramax Library. Uh, Molly Ringwald and uh, a pre. Grey's Anatomy, Ellen Pompeo, along with Eric Bogosian, of all people. Um, you know, this is it's this is like a strictly for New Yorkers, nightlife New Yorkers. A Month by the Lake is a lovely film with great performances by uh, Vanessa Redgrave and Uma Thurman. Um, another one of those classic Miramax kind of, uh, you know, let's. Uh, it's a period film set in a, a beautiful villa and wonderful romantic things transpire. And then lastly, the horribly misbegotten House of the Spirits, based on the Isabel Ajande novel, a real misfire from director Billy August, who just before this had won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival for the incredible Ingmar Bergman scripted um, uh, kind of semi-autobiography. The Best Intentions, which was my first year, actually, at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, really a great, great cast here. Meryl Streep, Winona Ryder, Jeremy Irons, Glenn Close, Antonio Banderas, but not a good movie, unfortunately. It just doesn't get the magical realism thing down. Um, let's see. Oh, man. Docs are foreign. Hmm. What do you say? This is a great oh, doc. No, no, no. There's two good docs. Yeah, we got to do docs. Yeah, let's do docs. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll knock out the docs. Uh, yeah, you know, tabloid is uh, is a terrific documentary, but it creeps the hell out of me. Uh, Errol Morris is sort of America's preeminent documentarian, and he made a a really a, a, a freak trip here with uh, with tabloid. Now, this is hardly uh, objective news reporting by any means. Um, this is all the story of Joyce McKinney, who is certifiably batwhack crazy. This woman is off her nut, loony. She is insane. She's famous um, for a couple of reasons. One you find out later in the film, which is much more recent, but the one she's really famous for is because she developed an obsession on this guy, this schlubby guy, 
at one point in her life when she was living in Utah. And this guy went to serve a Mormon mission, and she figured that was uh, not acceptable. So she, like, enlisted some bodyguards and flew over to London and uh, basically kidnapped him and held him hostage during this, like, bizarre, you know, sex kidnapping. And it became this gigantic phenomenal tabloid story in the UK is this woman really is she jilted is she crazy and uh, what makes this so interesting is not that they actually give you his point of view because he refused to be interviewed for the movie what's interesting is it, it gets into the you know and she's interviewed all over the place in this thing and by the way did you know that when Errol Morris was screaming this around the country, she would randomly just show up at screenings and, like, jump up on stage when he was doing his Q&A? Creepy. She's insane. Now she's stalking the filmmaker that made a movie about her being a stalker. <laughs> it is creepy. Um, but, no, it, it, what gets into the, the, the kind of duel between different British tabloids and how they took different points of view with respect to her story is really fascinating. And one of them, the way they came to L.A. and just dug up all the dirt on her past, unbelievable. So I recommend this, but don't. it's not journalism. It's sort of, it's kind of journalistic sensationalism just because it's dealing with such a bizarre subject. Wade, uh, the other good doc we'll talk about is page one inside the New York Times. This is uh, all about uh, the inner workings of the New York Times. You know, the New York Times has been uh, taking a hit, big hit, in uh, prestige and circulation. But then again, so has a lot of... Borderline uh, bankrupt. Borderline bankrupt. So has a lot of uh, daily Times. newspapers. That's true. Well, the Chicago LA Tribune. Well, the LA Times sucks. Um, the hero of page one, if there is one, is David Carr, one of the columnists. And David Carr just comes across as just, just a hilarious raconteur and personality and just a fascinating guy. So, you know, Carr, who used to be a crack addict and is now one of the best columnists in the country. Yeah. He's sort of the hero of the story. But otherwise, there's a whole lot of cool little glimpses into the newsroom and how stories are developed and how papers put together. And it's great because it's very it's, – it's, it's timely and it's timeless. It's timeless in that it shows you how newspapers put together. It's timely because this is a very dangerous and specific, and specific time in the New York Times' history. And uh, page one definitely captures it, directed by Andrew Rossi. This is good stuff. This might be nominated for an Oscar this year. Uh, for best uh, documentary, there's a whole bunch of special features, uh, including one with Carl Bernstein from uh, the Watergate uh, whole dealy, and uh, it's good stuff. Liked it a lot. Page one. Uh, the Art of Filmmaking is a, a six-disc collection from uh, First Run Features, and it includes the following documentaries: Tales from the Script, Director's Life Behind the Camera, which we talked about recently as well. Uh, Light Keeps Me Company, which is a, t- a sensational uh, documentary about uh, Sven Nikvist, the great Ingmar Bergman cinematographer. Capturing Reality, the Art of the Documentary, which also uh, talks a little bit about er- Errol Morris, we just talked about. And Lavender Limelight, Lesbians in Film. So this is, uh, you know, these do not all necessarily dovetail together, but it's a nice kind of uh, gift box containing documentaries about filmmaking, all of them from the First Run Features Library. And, uh, you know, they're all good. Um, Light Keeps Me Company Alone is almost worth the, uh, the purchase of this. Uh, Wait, HBO did a documentary on Jerry Weintraub, who is a legendary oh, it's really good. producer. It's really this good is stuff. It's a really good doc. Uh, Weintraub produced uh, movies like Nashville Karate and Kid. Uh, Oh God and Karate Kid, Cruising, mm-hmm. yeah. Diner. Good stuff. Um, but not, not a guy. He didn't do the Bruckheimer thing. And by the way, I, I'm saying this because... And, I, and the Ocean's films. I'm, I'm actually kind of saying this because I'm quoted in an article uh, recently. I'm name-dropping myself now. Well, there's an article online about uh, Jerry Weintraub that I'm quoted in. 
And um, the thing about him is he never did the Bruckheimer thing. He was never like the super producer, the, the Scott Rudin thing, where he's just uh, he's just acquiring projects and attaching his name to stuff, and suddenly he becomes a franchise unto himself, and a, you know he does the, the branding thing. He never did that. He just wanted to be a guy who just produced some good movies, and he took a personal interest in each and every one of them. And it's a good, solid bunch of films, but it's not like, oh my gosh, he produced 80 films in his life. You know, no, he comes across stuff. as an old school guy. Yeah. He he loves talent. He loves the script. He loves the deal. He, he just, loves the process. They, yeah, you know what? They don't really make him like him anymore. No, they don't. And of course, if you re, if you watch the doc, which is terrific, there's interviews yeah. with uh, Bruce Willis and George Clooney, Barbara Bush, Brad Pitt, Elliot Gould. It's really good stuff. His way, a portrait of Hollywood legend Jerry Weintraub. There are a couple special features, and it, again, it is a DVD, not a Blu-ray. Not that you'd ever Indeed. need it on Blu-ray. And then lastly, before we uh, cut on out, is Warren Miller's Wintervention, uh, the collector's edition deluxe Blu-ray. You know, look, Warren Miller, man, it's just all about the skiing. If you love skiing, if you just want to see crazy, wicked, awesome ski photography from all over the world, from, you know, everywhere from Norway to New Zealand to Austria to Canada, boy, you just get it here. And uh, honestly, this is the only way to see it. It is fantastic on Blu-ray. That's from uh, Shout Factory. If you're not a skier, if you're not into it, not going to care. But uh, it's fun. It's really a lot of fun. And with that, we are done. Uh, we will see you next week, and uh, we're going to cover the foreign films then. Boy, we got some good foreign next week. Really good stuff. See you.